There's nothing quite like climbing into bed with clean sheets on it, right? Now, we've got four boys, and whenever my, my wonderful wife, Emily, she typically will just change their sheets, you know, random day while they're at school. She always makes sure they take a shower right before they go to bed that night. There's just something about it feels right. You should do that. Whenever we put clean sheets on our bed, uh, we always put on fresh PJs, clean PJs that night. just feels like something you ought to do because there's, there's nothing quite like getting into a bed with just fresh, clean sheets. Hey, good morning. My name is Carter McInnes, and I'm the lead pastor here at Mountaintop, and uh, so grateful to see those of you that are new, and, and for some of you that are here every week, it's always great to see you. So I, I want to share something, though, about sheets that, and this is going to sound a little gross, Okay. All right, have you ever noticed that over time, sheets get dingy? Have you ever noticed that? Like it doesn't matter, like you can wash them every week, and like you wash them, and you're like, I've washed these things regularly. You have no recollection of getting into the bed with muddy shoes on. Like, you're, you're like you, never, you never felt like you got into the bed dirty. If you needed a shower before bed, you'd get into it. But like you just somehow, over time, they just get dingy. They just get kind of nasty. And the reason that is, I told you it's going to be a little gross, okay? The reason that is is that you didn't realize that all the dirt you had on you over time you brought into the bed, Right? Like you, th- like you thought you were clean that day, but you weren't. Like you, and all the dirt you had on you just over time gets in the, the sheets. This is what's true. It's like what you brought into bed stays in the bed. What you brought into the bed, it stays in the bed no matter what. We just kind of naturally have. And so, uh, oh, it gets off of you onto the sheets, and sooner or later, you just have to turn the sheets into painting drop cloths, right? Or to the sheets that you use for the kids to make a fort. But they're not going to be sheets you sleep on anymore, and you get some fresh new sheets. Well, the same thing that happens to your bed happens to the marriage bed. What you brought into bed, what you brought from outside the bed, what you brought into bed stays in the bed. What we don't realize is that what we bring to the marriage bed emotionally, uh, spiritually, from past relationships, mentally, it stays in the bed. And today, I want to talk about the thing that can ruin a relationship the most quickly. And that is when you break your promises. When you break your promises, the vows that you made to one another about forsaking all others. Now, this is what our programming team came up to call this Sunday, today, Break Your Promises. And when we advertised it, we, we put, you know, last week was communicate poorly. Next week, we're going to talk about putting yourself first. And this week, we advertise and put on our little card and, and all the online stuff to break your promises. Because my original title for the sermon uh, did not fly, which was defile the marriage bed. We just felt like if you gave that, I thought that'll draw a crowd, right? 
And that's a really old school and churchy kind of language, but it perfectly contrasts the wisdom that is found in Scripture. If you want to head quickly to divorce court, break your promises by defiling the marriage bed. It's the quickest and easiest way. Make pornography a part of your routine. Take a good long look at coworkers when they walk by. Flirt with anyone who will flirt back and sleep around as much as you can. You'll be sure to ruin your relationship quickly. I don't want this to ever happen to you. Some of the most painful conversations that I've ever had in pastoral counseling has been sitting down with a couple who has gone through an affair. Some of the hardest work I've done with couples preparing for marriage is helping them deal with the sexual baggage that they're bringing into the marriage. And if you're married, I just say this unabashedly, I don't want you to have an affair. I don't want you to have to live through that. If you're single, I want you to come to the marriage bed with clean sheets. And if marriage isn't for you, and if you're like, I'm single, what in the world does this have to do with me? A marriage isn't for me. I think you want that for your friends. I think you, you don't want to walk with your married friends through an affair you don't want to walk with your single friends hoping to be married one day through dealing with some of that. I think you want that for everyone who is, um, who is going to be married or married. Now, let me be frank. Whenever I teach on sex or sexual uh, issues, whenever we broach a subject like this, I'm aware that you probably walked into the room and you've heard some messages, some sermons, some teaching on this subject that have just been downright hurtful and 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 so what's interesting is as, as I step into this today what I'm aware of is that I carry the baggage of every sermon you've ever heard on sex with me you brought that with you and some of you have walked out of churches on a day like today in a topic like this, and you have felt harmed, you have felt hurt, you have felt judged, you have felt beat up, and maybe you've even left confused. So my prayer is that today would instead be helpful and not hurtful. My prayer as we open up God's Word together and this one little verse that talks about how we can protect the marriage bed that it will be helpful to you in your marriage, if you're single, if you're a teenager, college student, in your future marriage. And I believe at the very end, I believe at the very end that, I, that my prayer is that it can be hopeful because we believe that there's hope in Jesus no matter what baggage we all came in here with today. So we're going to look at a passage together, uh, some bibl clear big biblical direction uh, that is in this section in Hebrews 13 that's almost like one-liners. It's great. Hebrews has 13 chapters, and, you know, of course, as any letter would have been, been written, there's, there's big chunks of sections that are going over certain kind of topics, but the last chapter of Hebrews 
is almost like all the things that the writer didn't get to say in the context of all the other things he said. It's great. It's like advice from dad before you leave from college. It's just like a bunch of totally unrelated bits of wisdom, totally unrelated kind of one-liners of like all the things I want to make sure you hear and make sure you remember before I close up this letter. It's a really interesting thing. There's, there's a, it says, oh, 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 and by the way, offer hospitality to strangers. Remember those in prison. Don't get caught up in a love of money. Oh, you should pray for your leaders. Oh, and one more, keep the marriage bed pure. These totally kind of unrelated one-liners of like, hey, I want to make sure you remember these little bits of wisdom. So what we're going to look at today is found in Hebrews 13, 4. One little verse that packs a punch about the marriage bed. If you got your Bible, uh, open it up to Hebrews 13 there. If you got a Bible at home or an app, uh, feel free to open it up there. If you are in the room and you don't have a hard copy Bible, we want to uh, give, uh, give you one. So at the bookshelves when you leave, you can grab one. This is what Hebrews 13, 4 said. One little verse about the marriage bed. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed, there it is, the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Well, how do we do that? How do we keep the marriage bed pure? It's one of those passages that has a very crystal clear command, very crystal clear wisdom, but doesn't give much clarity or direction of like how to do it. I mean, how do we do that? So I want to unpack this passage today to, to think about the how of keeping our marriage beds pure or your future marriage bed pure because it's not, a, it, it's not enough to agree with it. We, this is not one of those passages that you can say, oh, I agree with that. Like, you got to know how to do it, and it is going to take work. We've got to know how to do it in everyday life. we got to know how to do it in everyday life because every couple wants to do it. But sometimes they don't know how because we have all had friends, family members, who had an affair. And this is the conversation we have when that happens. What were they thinking? Right? We've all had a, friends, loved ones, neighbors who have an affair, and we, can, we sit down at the, you know, like we, we sit down at the dinner table or when the kids are in bed and we're talking and we're going, what were they thinking? And the answer is they weren't thinking. They got into a situation where their hormones took over and did the thinking for them. And I have news for you about your hormones. They're stupid. They're like the dumbest things. Your hormones make really bad decisions. And the problem is, is that people, when we, when we always come to that thing, of like, what were they thinking? And maybe you've been through that yourself, and you had to look back and go, what was I thinking? And the, the reason that is, is because when our hormones take over, it means we didn't do the work long before, the hard work, the tedious work, the detailed work in everyday life, the how to keep the marriage bed 
pure long before we get to the point. If you are in the hotel room, it is already too late. It is already too late. You didn't do the work. You have to keep work to keep the bed clean. So here's what the bottom line for today's message, and I just want to unpack this because we're like, keep the marriage bed pure. Yes, 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 yes. We all want to do that. And here's what I think it means today, and we're going to just kind of untangle this during today's message. Keeping the bedroom pure means staying pure outside the bedroom because you are going to bring whatever's outside the bedroom in the bedroom. Keeping the marriage bed pure is more, just, is more than just let me cross our fingers and hope we never have an affair. It means working hard in everyday life to stay pure outside the bedroom. Just like your bed at home, you're going to bring whatever is outside in your relationships into the intimate life of your marriage. You bring conversations into the bedroom. You bring what you let into your mind into the bedroom. You, you bring what you see with your eyes into the bedroom. So we're going to unpack this verse about what this means outside the bedroom and outside the four walls of the home. So the first thing I want to talk about is the unique nature of marriage and why this matters so much, why this is so important. The word, it said marriage bed should be, do you remember the word? Honored by all. The word for honored in Greek is this beautiful word, timios, that is often used, was often used to describe gold or jewels. It meant something was precious. It meant something was costly, something of great price. So what it means is the marriage bed should be honored by all. The marriage bed should be considered, the marriage should be considered costly, precious, Marriage is, is a different kind of relationship. It is a precious relationship. We are careful with it. We treat it differently than every other relationship. This is why I feel so compelled to teach on this for two or three weeks every year because it is different than every other relationship. If you and a friend decide to not be friends, it doesn't require paperwork. But there's one mess, there's one relationship that if you decide to not be friends, it requires paperwork and a whole lot of heartache. It is different. It is costly. It is precious. So how do we hold this relationship as precious and as costly and different, something of great price, different from every other relationship? Um, one of the things I do with every couple that I marry, and if you've, uh, if you've been married by me, then, you know, I, I make them take this kind of survey, and I, they fill it out separately, and then we come together and talk about it. And it asks some really good questions, and one of the questions that I, we always talk about is how would you relate to the opposite sex once you're married? Because I want them to talk about, I mean, how are you going to deal with opposite sex friends because you may have friends of the opposite sex. You may have co-workers of the opposite sex. But there is only one relationship that is costly, that is precious, that is of great price. And you got to figure out that that means it's going to be different from every other relationship. There are going to have to be some boundaries set up. And I, I believe this, that boundaries are different for every couple because everyone's career is different, your comfort level are different, but I want to make couples talk about what those boundaries are going to be. It might be that you're not going to ride in the same car with the opposite sex, somebody else. 
It might be that that you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be alone in the house with someone of the opposite sex. It might be that you're not gonna be in a in a room at work with a door without a window or a room without a window of the opposite sex. It, it, might, it definitely will mean that you will not share intimate details of your life and have talk about problems with someone else. Let me ask you this question. Is your spouse allowed to see every Facebook interaction, every Facebook message, every text message from someone with the opposite sex? And if there are some you are hiding from her or hiding from him, why? Now, someone is going to say this. this is, if you start doing this in your marriage, okay, if you start doing this in your marriage and you start putting up some boundaries to try to protect yourself, to make sure you don't ever get in a situation where you will be tempted, where you would ever cross the line, if you want to make sure, and not even that, where you can even be in a situation where someone could tell a lie about you. When you start putting these boundaries in place, uh, here's, here's what is going to happen. Someone is going to say like, oh man, come on, that boundary is overboard. Isn't that a little overboard? And here's what I always say, like, you can be offended at my boundary. You don't have to like it. But let me tell you something. My wife is not going to be offended because I crossed a boundary to make you more comfortable. If you don't like it, that we're going to stand out here on the front porch until everybody else in small group shows up because my wife's picking up the kids and you showed up without your husband, we're just going to stand on the front stoop and talk, and I don't care that it's 35 degrees, but we're not going in the house alone, all right? And if you're offended by that, that's fine. You can be offended, but here's a good rule of thumb. If someone's going to be offended, it's not going to be my spouse. If someone's going to be offended, it's not going to be my spouse. And so often, we cross boundaries that get us into dangerous situations because we don't want to offend somebody else or we want to make them feel more comfortable. And I have just always said, you can be offended, but Emily McGinnis is not going to be offended. But she's not going to show up and be like, wow, what's my husband doing in the house with another woman? And nobody else is here. You, you, we'll just have to freeze on the front steps. But she's not going to be offended. What are some boundaries that you might need to put in place? The thing I love about this passage, you remember what it said? Marriage, the marriage should be honored by married people. What did it say? By all. It's a single people. I think this speaks to you in a couple of ways. First, you honor the preciousness, the sacredness of marriage with others. You respect it and hold it in high esteem. If a coworker, if a coworker or friend sets a boundary for their marriage that makes you kind of have to like do something uncomfortable or you know makes you have to your response should should be of course. Of course. Of course. And just by the way, for married folks, your spouse sets the boundaries. Like, you don't get to make up your mind about what they're comfortable with. They get to tell you. Single people, your first response is, of course. For those singles, teens, college students that are not married yet, there is a future spouse 
out there for you. There is a future marriage that is precious. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Listen up, singles. Listen up, teenagers. Listen up, college. Wouldn't it be wonderful for you to be able to tell your future spouse that you put sexual boundaries on your life as a single person because you considered your future marriage with them precious. You honored them before you even met them. You considered your relationship with them costly and precious before you even knew their name, before you knew there existed. You had considered your future relationship with them as sacred, as precious. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Listen, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Young men, young men, if you will be that kind of man of God, that kind of young man of God, to be the kind of person that would say, I'm going to hold myself as sacred for my future spouse, for our future marriage, and when you're dating and you tell her, listen, I would never do anything to dishonor you because if the Lord would lead us into a marriage relationship or not, I want my future marriage to be sacred and precious and holy and unto him and costly, so I would never do anything to dishonor you or your body or push you. The words that she will probably say next is, marry me. Where are we going to shop for the ring? And the reason is for even Christian girls, for most of her life, she has had Christian boys pushing her further and further physically, trying to get her to take one more step, cross one more boundary that she doesn't want to go. And deep down, she would give anything to find a man who would say, I love you so much in the Lord that I would never do anything to disrespect you. It's so rare in these days. Would you be that? What, what a gift that would be to give to your future spouse. Singles, you're going to carry. You're going to carry your present, your sexual present into your future marriage. You can honor your marriage bed even before you have one. So I want to get practical on a few things on uh, this part of the verse. The marriage bed kept pure. How do you keep a marriage bed pure? We said keeping pure, the bedroom pure, means staying pure outside the bedroom. So I want to talk about some really practical, day-to-day, everyday kind of steps that you might think of and maybe a few that maybe you haven't thought of but I hope that they'll be helpful I think one thing we have to consider is what you consume what we consume we bring into the bedroom so let's talk about what we consume with our eyes let's talk about pornography and while this has typically been a male issue the stats showed more and more young women are looking at pornography When you look at porn, you bring that to the marriage bed with you. It takes the sacredness of sex intended between a loving husband and a wife who have made a vow to each other, and it makes it transactional. You bring those images and ideas that are seared into your brain into the bed, and when you are together under the sheets, then it's no longer just the two of you. It's all of those ideas, all of those images with you. And the baggage of porn lingers because romance doesn't look like that. 
it distorts what marriage is really like. And what you're really saying is that the vow I made to you, forsaking all others, what I meant was forsaking all others except with my eyes. When you said I'm forsaking all others, it meant what you consume with your eyes too. Let me say a word here to men, especially. Because this goes beyond pornography with men. There, there has just forever, right, forever, been this cultural acceptance that men are going to look at other women. There's just cultural acceptance, right? That, you, you see it in movies and TV shows and everything. Like, there's just this cultural acceptance. And I have even had Christian men in my life, Christian men in my life, who have, who have literally said this. This has come out of their mouth. You've probably heard this. <clears throat> well, just because I already eat don't mean I can't look at the menu. <laughs> you ever heard somebody say that? Let me ask you a question. You know when you go to Waffle House? And they have like the laminated menus. And then after you're done ordering, you stick it over in the little side pocket right behind the napkins. You know what I'm talking about? At Waffle House, after you've eaten, you can look at the menu. Still, it's right there. When you go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, they leave the menu on the table. They take it up, don't they? Let me ask you a question. You want a Waffle House marriage or a Ruth's Chris marriage? Now, I love some Waffle House. Some of y'all going to go eat after church. Now you're like, I don't, I don't know if we can afford Ruth's Chris, but we can get some Waffle House afterwards, right? But. I don't want a greasy spoon marriage. I want a five-star steakhouse marriage. What you consume with your eyes. What you consume with your ears. With your ears. Guys, what are you listening to? If every song calls women hoes or the B word or talking about her shaking her sugar shaker up into your truck... You are bringing that into the bed. You are objective. Your idea of women becomes objectified instead of seeing your wife as a daughter of the Most High King. It begins to shape how you see women. Ladies, if every article you read, if every article you read or every blog you read is about how men are just a bunch of big dumb lugs, you're bringing that into the marriage bed. You're defiling how you see your spouse, and you're objectifying him as a person. I'm not telling you what you can't read and can't listen to. I'm just saying just be careful about what you're allowing to shape you. And the last one is what you consume with your mouth. I'm just like, what? what's that about? Here's what that's about. If you are willing to get a little tipsy at the office Christmas party or the neighborhood cookout, which would cause you to say something to someone else or do something with someone else that would dishonor your spouse, then you're not very serious about keeping your marriage bed pure. If you know you get a little flirty when you have one more, then maybe you ought not to have one more. 
if you get a little handsy when you have one more. Maybe you ought not to have one more. What you consume, you bring into the marriage bed. And you've got to be serious about boundaries, about what we see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and even put in our mouths. The, another thing is who you're around. What you consume and who you're around. Women, if your lunch friends are always bad-mouthing their husbands and talking about what a chore it is to go to bed with them, you are bringing that into the marriage bed. Guys, if all the other guys that you're around are commenting on every waitress or every girl that walks by in the office, you are bringing that objectification back into the bedroom. And men and women, this is for both, this is for both. If you're around someone that is flirting with you, get away. It is worth changing gyms. It's worth changing jobs. It's worth changing jobs. You report it to your supervisor. You say, I'm not very comfortable with this. And if your supervisor doesn't hold your marriage as costly and precious, I'd start brushing up and polishing up that resume. Because you can get another job. Your relationship with your job is not precious. Your relationship with your spouse is. Another one is where you go. Is this place, a good question to ask, is this place that I'm at going to cause me to be tempted, going to put me in situations? We have all, right, you have all seen like a, a celebrity pastor or a celebrity football coach or a movie star or whomever like end up in some bad situation and they do something stupid and the first thing is you're like, why were they there like, why were they at that club? Why were they hanging out at that person's house? Why were they there? Well, friend, my, our transgressions aren't probably going to make the front page like theirs are, but we can just as easily get in a situation where we do something stupid, not because we wanted to, because we were just in the wrong place. So watch where you go. And the last one is what you allow. What you allow. What are your boundaries. It's kind of circling back to where we started. What are your boundaries? Um, one of my proudest moments as a husband happened years ago. And uh, I, I, we, were, we were pastoring a little church, and it's probably over a decade ago. So I was in my early 30s, and we had a very young church. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people in the early 30s were a part of the church. A lot of our friends had come to be a, help, be a part of it. And one Sunday, we had a, a new young lady come to church, and she was probably 19 or 20 years old, and she was so excited. She came all by herself. She was so excited, and she just loved it. And I mean, like, it was after the service. Like, she ran up to the band, and she's like, oh, my gosh, it was so awesome. I loved it so much. She gave them all big hugs. And this is just her personality. Now, I kind of had this boundary that I didn't give women full frontal hugs at church. I did like the awkward Christian side hug, right? Hey, that was like as good as it was going to get. And so she comes up to me after she goes to the band and she goes to the greeter. She's anybody she can find as a part of the church. She was so excited about it. And she comes up to me, full frontal hug. She's like, oh my gosh, I loved it so much. And she gives me this hug and I'm like, I freeze. I don't know what to do. I was like, thank you, you know. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And uh, 
she became a part of our church, and several weeks later, she was in a group, uh, a small group setting or something, and, and she told some other guys, she had hugged everybody right when she got there, and she's like, oh, I like you guys, I can hug y'all, I can't hug Carter, I know I'm not supposed to. And I never told her that, but I sent signals, and I thought, yes, I repel women, yes, <laughs> yes, that was the goal. Because in this interesting and this is, so, this is so hard sometimes, is that the more attractive I would become to other women, the more unattractive I would become to the one woman I want to attract. Watch yourself in your boundaries and make sure you're not trying to make yourself attractive to other people because the more attractive you become to them, the more unattractive you become to other people. And what I found is the more unattractive I am to others, the more attractive I am to the only one that I want to attract. What you allow will become what you accept. So, keeping the bedroom pure means staying pure outside the bedroom. Now, um, romance doesn't happen with candlelight in the bedroom. It's cultivated by working hard outside the bedroom. Why is this so important? Last part of that verse, you remember it? It was hard. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. It's really serious. God takes it really serious. So if there's some things going on in your marriage that we talked about today, you got to confess them today. You got to start dealing with it today. If you're close to the edge and you're like, man, I don't have a good boundary, I don't have a fence, and I could see myself falling over the cliff, it's time to do a heart check and put up some boundaries. If you're dealing with an addiction to pornography, we've got some resources. We've got some partners that can help you. You contact any of our pastors. You can find all our email on the website, mountaintopchurch.com. The, the, the one you feel comfortable with, you email us and say, hey, I, I, wanna, I need to get in touch. We'll get you connected. For young people, teenagers, college students, this is what God wants for your marriage, for your future. You are going to bring, you are going to bring what's happening in your future life, in your present life, into your future marriage. Some of you go, here's, here's what singles and college students always say, right? But we're going to get married. What does it matter? We're going to get married. What does it matter that we're messing around now? What does it matter? We're, we're about to get engaged. I'm shopping for a ring. What does it matter? What a gift. What a gift. For you to know that you are marrying someone who will honor God's sexual ethics. 
See, what God doesn't want for you, you say, why are God's, why does he, this sound sounds like there's so many rules and regulations, I'm single, I'm in college, I, it just feels like there's all these constraints. What God doesn't want for you is for you to stand on that altar and think, hmm, they were willing to break God's sexual commands with me. I wonder if they'll break God's sexual commands on me. What God wants for you is for you to stand there eye to eye with a pastor and your friends and family and you know, I am marrying a man of God, a woman of God who was willing to be obedient to God's word in dating and I can trust them with my heart to be obedient to God's word in marriage what a gift what a gift that is teenager college student single person God doesn't want constraints on you he wants that gift for you Here's the thing, though. There's not a single person in this room or watching online that's not broken sexually. Some of you are thinking right now, like, oh, man, I'm, just, I'm in a room of several hundred others. I'm online with several hundred others. And, and, and they're so perfect. And, and I'm, I, I came here today, and... There's not a single person watching. There's not a single person in this room that doesn't have some sexual baggage. There's not a single person that didn't bring some dirt into the marriage bed. Not a single person who always got this right. And it's easy to hear a message like this and feel like this is an impossible standard to live up to. And, it, and we feel like God gave us this impossible standard to keep the marriage bed pure, and none of us are pure. And it's like God just handed us the Bible in Hebrews 13, 4 and said, well, good luck. But we, didn't, we don't serve a God who just gave us a standard and said good luck. We serve a God who sent the standard in human form. And when we don't measure up, inevitably, we turn to the cross. We turn to Jesus who gave his life to forgive our sins and resurrected so that past and that baggage can never lay claim to your life ever again. It can never be the voice in your heart. It can never be the little devil on your shoulder to tell you that you are dirty, that you are unclean, that you are unpure, that you aren't good enough because you have a Savior forever who thought you were so good enough for him that he died for you. Not because you are good, because he is good on our behalf. We're going to sing a song in just a minute that's got this unbelievable line that says, my one defense my righteousness oh God I need you 
So no matter what your past is, no matter if you say, man, I've really messed this up, Carter. I don't even know where to go. Some of you single, some of you teenagers, like, I've made so many mistakes. Have I ruined it? Some of you in your marriage are like, can we ever fix this? Here's the promise that we get from God that I believe relates to our sexual baggage more than any other issue. A promise from Isaiah 118 that says this. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Though it feels like dirty sheets, you get a brand new set today. You get a brand new set. We don't serve a God who sent Jesus as just a reminder that we should be punished. We serve a God who sent Jesus to take our punishment for us. Your past, your history, your mistakes, your sin in this area of your life never have to lay claim on you again if you say, I want your forgiveness, Jesus. I want to be clean today. Today, you can be forgiven. Today, you can be changed. Today, you can have a clean slate and a fresh start. But what you do with that fresh start is up to you. We don't try to live up to this standard to get God's love because none of us are perfect. We try to be obedient because of the love that he's already given in Jesus. And I hope you'll do that today. But if you haven't said yes to Jesus, I hope you'll do that first. Heavenly Father, it's a heavy stuff, God. But thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. That no matter our past, no matter our sins that feel like scarlet, God, you give us a clean set of sheets, the white as snow. Though we are crimson, we are like wool now. And Lord, some of us in this issue, we feel so just dirty. And Lord, my prayer is the cleansing power of God's grace. And when we would say, oh God, you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know that we would just hear your voice. Child, you don't know how big my grace is. Let me show you. We want to say yes to you. I pray for anybody in this room, Lord, that's never said yes to Jesus, that first and foremost, today would be the day that they say, I want Jesus in my life. I need to be forgiven. And God, I would pray, I would pray that that every single one of us would take that, clean, that cleansing for the first time or another time to walk in obedience to you. Because we want to hold our marriages as precious, costly. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to um, invite you to stand and we're going to sing this song. And uh, you're invited to come down here and pray. Uh, you're invited to come together as a couple if you want to. You're invited to come and uh, ask God into your heart. If you need to, someone to pray with you, you just raise your hand. 
and we'll be happy to do that. I 